Hello, welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for the movie Extraction. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Tony Carnavale, who is uh, our guest this week. Tony Carnavale, to give the listeners a sense for who you are, what kinds of movies you might normally watch, what would you say if I were to ask you, what was your favorite movie from last year? Um, thanks for having me, Tom and Kelly. Uh, my favorite movie from last year was Far and Away, Midsummer, uh, uh, or as writer-director wow. Ari Aster would pronounce it, Midsummer. I think he would do that facetiously, though. Like, he knew as well as anyone else that it's just – just don't I, – I think – like, he doesn't really call it – run around doing press junkets saying Midsummer, does he? Like, I he acknowledges – Oh, really? Okay. I listened to interviews he did where he called it Midsommar, and I found it very upsetting. But it did not impact my enjoyment of the movie. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Right. It, well, not just fantastic, but your favorite of the year. My favorite of the year, that's right. And actually, that's one of those movies, too. Like, if you just said, you know, uh, Parasite, or whatever, you know, it's won the Academy Award. If you just said something like that, I think it says a lot about you, Tony, that, that you would pick Midsommar. Thanks. I, I think th- I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Although... <laughs> Parasite is a weird movie, um, so I think anyone whose favorite movie last year was Parasite, even though it did win Best Picture, right, um, is weird. Yeah, you still count as weird. Well, I might, I might wonder if you picked it just because it won Best Picture, I because see, you feel like you are supposed to like it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. All right. We also uh, wait, have. So yes. Just yes, to yes. clarify, yes. his favorite movie last year was Midsommar, and what was your eighth favorite? I forgot. I can't quite remember. Uh, Midsummer wasn't on my list. I loved Midsummer, but it's probably Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That's what I was. Yeah, I was just comparing certain. <laughs> don't forget, Kelly. One, my tenth favorite was Captain Marvel. Uh, I don't forget. <laughs> um, Kelly Wand. Now we have you. This is a very important question I have for you. I need to know a tagline because I don't. I didn't see a lot of movie posters for Extraction because it's a Netflix release, and I don't know <laughs> if they normally have taglines when you're just surfing through the Netflix was options. It Oh, we'll uh, no, yeah, yeah. But uh, if Extraction were to have a tagline, Kelly Wand, what would it be? A bunch of shit on a bridge happens. <laughs> That's good. Kelly Wand, are there multiple taglines? Is Extraction worthy of multiple taglines? Yeah, it's shit. It's a long movie. Nothing to do <laughs> while watching it but come up with shit that you could be thinking during what, it. What else did you think up for Extraction? Thor's funniest since Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Are there more? Thor, watch your back, black hat. <laughs> that's good because I mean, yeah, that's that's how a lot of people know who he is. He's a hacker. Like uh, he can't hack. Like what's a movie where he can do even more things? I doubt he. Like he's totally miscast. Now, Kelly, one there aren't many movies that got four taglines. Is Extraction one of them? No, it's not. <laughs> Wait. I always get confused with double negatives. Are you saying it does have four? It, it, it seems like it's not in the rarefied company of movies where you came up with four taglines. No, I got three. Four. Oh, you got four. Oh, what would the fourth one be? Tom, I'm kind of bummed it wasn't about a dental visit. It felt like one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Extraction should have only had three taglines. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Wait, is there like a... Um... Can't all be winners. That's the thing about orphans. <laughs> what? I was going to ask if there was a uh, criterion for what kinds of movies get three taglines versus four, but then I realized you were making a value judgment about Kelly's tagline quality. Yeah. 
He's very picky, too. I know. He's so picky. And Kelly Wand? There's usually only one good one, and you have to go, do I lead with it? And then he's going to make fun of the next two, or do you end strong and deal with his scorn until the end? I'm loving I, getting this like behind-the-scenes peek into the into the wand <laughs> mind. The wand mind. Uh, well, bef- let's move on from the wand mind, and let's talk about this movie. Wait, Tony, yes. Wait. I just wanted to say to Tony Carnavale, I really enjoyed your performance in Blue Jasmine and in Win Win, but not okay. so much as the husband in birth. <laughs> How did you feel about him as the villain in Jumanji? Oh, <laughs> lived up to the title. Wow. I've been thoroughly wanted. Gotcha. Do, you, do you get that? Do you get confused with Bobby Carnavale a whole lot, Tony? Is that yeah, the... you know, people often have a hard time because we're both extremely good looking and, and uh, <laughs> almost seven feet tall, so it's very hard for people to tell us apart. Um, Same voice. Yeah, identical voice, similar kind of, uh, you know, type. We're both kind of uh, rough and tumble, blue collar types. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's hard for people to tell the difference. Well, the same problem. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Kelly. Who do you get confused with a lot? I forget. You. Oh, oh, right. The two of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Tony, I need some information from you. I need you to tell the listeners a little <laughs> bit of the basics about this movie that we saw and that we're about to talk about. All right, we saw Extraction. Mm-hmm. It is a 2020 action-adventure drama kidnapping rescue who can punch harder movie about <laughs> phones that are loud. It was directed by huh. Sam Hargrave. It was written by Joe Russo, starring Chris Hemsworth, Randy Puda, Gulf Shifta Farahani. Oh, very well said, Tizan. I didn't know if you were going to actually make it past that one. Good, go on. I don't on. know if that was accurate, but, um, you know, I was raised on phonics, and so I'm applying them to <laughs> this person's name. Carnival. <laughs> oh, that's going to – I have a feeling my name is going to be referenced a lot. I okay, there's. saying it. I apologize. That was good. I like saying Kelly Wand. Uh, and also, another actor was in this movie, David Harbour. Mm-hmm. It's rated uh, R. What's that? I went, oh, yeah, yeah, like I knew who he was. And yeah. then I said it, I went, wait, maybe it's not that guy. No, you do know who he is. Come on, he's the he's the only other white guy in the movie. I mean, and you recognize him, Kelly Wand, from like a he's Hellboy. Oh, I didn't know his name though. Oh, okay. I guess you don't want to see what I call him in the office. (laughs) Oh, good. I can't wait. Okay, good. Okay, so so uh, Tony, what's the rating of this movie in case people are considering watching it with small children? Which Um, they should. I'm glad you asked. It's rated R. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, Here's why. Strong, bloody violence throughout. Mm. Why is the British accent necessary for that phrase? What? Kelly, he's enunciating. It's not a British accent. It's enunciation. (laughs) Are you calling out a British accent? No, I'm saying the writer of that. uh, Oh, he's he's going on bloody, like bloody violence. Oh, that was that was good. We should have got that. Yeah, I well, should have said the joke correctly ten minutes ago. <laughs> Strong bloody violence throughout. Yeah. <laughs> Language. Okay. New York, Hemsworth. And one more thing got this movie an R. Yep. Brief drug use by a minor, no less. A uh, child using drugs. Kelly, one. Is there any other reason that this movie should be restricted from children beholding it? Fun for all ages, except reason. Uh, okay, so Kelly Wand, now is the moment. They're not laugh riots, Tom. They're just there. Of course, they're making laugh risings. Like, uh, 
like a like a bag of potato chips floating on the surface of the water, drifting away. Kelly, I want to hold that thought because I need from you an a synopsis of extraction. I need you to. You ex- want to hear where the potato chip bag con- the idea was going? All right. I can't. I, I'm sorry. Was that going somewhere? No, you're doing okay. right. <laughs> okay. So, Kelly, one, I need you to extract from this movie a synopsis of it and deliver that to us right now. Stat. Whew. For extraction. Yeah, the rendezvous for the synopsis is here and now. Go. <laughs> Extracting it from me, just to clarify. I'm the kid and you're Thor. Right. We're 100 meters out. I uh, have the package. Package and secure. Uh, right. All's the uh, hot girlfriend. Go shifty Farahani. Farahani, sorry. Well, I was talking about the girl. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway. Extrapsis. So I was just making sure I had the right one. <laughs> Extrapsis. Some buildings in the sky are orange. Thor gets stuck in traffic on a bridge and distracts himself by thinking about how out of focus some kid on a beach was once. <laughs> He's wearing a backpack, so he shoots some people. Jira! Jira! <laughs> and he shoots himself in the leg. Stares at us tiredly. A green word is all. Extrapsis. Some normal words are all India or Jamaica two days ago. Some giggling Indian kids or Jamaican ones in white shirts ride around in a car. Shmir, look, a smiling girl. Go buy her coffee. <laughs> but instead, Shmir plays piano. Then they go to a nightclub I guess kids go to. Shmir, look, it's that same girl smiling again. <laughs> From the same angle. You buy her coffee yet? Let's hurry. She could stop smiling. Later, or outside. Here, Schmier, smoke this. Then go by that girl. Oh, shit. Hello, officer. <laughs> Hello, children. Good news. Kids have your whole lives ahead of you. He shoots them. Later, over. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick, huh? Said he was going to shoot him. That would have been nice. Extract a child actor from Bangladesh? For that, you need an army of Thor. Meanwhile, in Australia. <laughs> Oi, guys, check it out. I just threw pebbles over a cliff. Thor wakes up, then trips and falls over the cliff. <laughs> Thor sits at the bottom of the lake, sulking. Momoa swims by with a trident, pointing laughing. <laughs> I like Tony's <laughs> Later, Thor's new cabin in the woods. Sir, my name is something. They used to have bad sex. There is a chicken in your bathroom. That's what Gal Gadot said after I asked her what she thought of me cologne. <laughs> okay. Well, we landed to bail. Something, something, extraction, drug lord, piano boy, fax machine, Botox. Go <laughs> watch a tic-tac with whiskey. I'll take it. The Botox and the job. <sighs> Being in this scene this year was a mistake. Oh, who else you gonna find after Renner and Pratt and Gerard all said no? Chickens ain't cheap, brunette face. That's why they call it chicken feed. That's the tinkers. <laughs> Little mammoth. Just ask Taylor Kitsch. Battleship had to break into a 7-Eleven, got taser. Just to have sex with a supermodel named after a power tool. I like you again. I'll meet you in Fitzroy Crossing. It's a different film. What's the kid's name? The MacGuffin uh, ethnic guy. Kid. Tadpole. What is he? She shrugs. Thor drives to the airport with a different girl and kisses her. The kiss is so bad that she cries. Later, a room full of CIA extras. 
That's what Bangladesh means. Any other questions? <laughs> How many hostiles? Um, us in the room with you right now? Like 20? <laughs> I'll do it! Uh, we covered that. Later in a crowded street, Thor's cell phone's all... La 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 <laughs> Hello, this is Thor. That was the Avengers thing, I think. <laughs> that laundry across the street, I say? Not any coils of clothes, just places of business. No, the laundromat. Oh, that thing with the women and the towels. I thought that was camera up here. Suddenly a van drives up. Guys grab and put a sack over his head and drive off giggling. Later on here. <laughs> In a hotel suite full of brown kidnappers later, the guy points the gun at Thor's head and squeezes the trigger. It clicks. Ha! You should have seen your face, Essay. Ha ha! Didn't change at all. Oh! My prank worked. Okay, Essay. You tell your people to pay. Shouldn't you have brought the money? Anyway. Or I'll stick this gun right here up the kid's ass. Oh. Really? Okay, sweet. Well, fuck paying you, then. I thought you were going to shoot it. How much for me? Me ass. <laughs> I like you, Essay. Just kidding. Leave. As the extras are escorting Thor down the stairs, someone trips and there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> uh, who is it? It's Thor! Oh, okay, one second. Wow! <laughs> he tricks one guy by stabbing him in the face with rake tines, although only after fucking around with a handle for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> then it's at us. By the way, the character's name in this film is Rake. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't bring it with him. He covers the kid's eyes with a coronavirus bandana and drags him into the jungle. Meanwhile, <laughs> mustached villain yells at his kids. All right. Which <laughs> of you uh, likes Dark World? Oh, is that the Matrix clone movie with Jennifer Connell? <laughs> Stupid lad. Okay, next interrogation question for the rooftop children. Uh, which of you is interesting? Roof. <laughs> ah, what's your name? I like you. Cut off two fingers. That's good. Good joke. A soldier walks up holding a phone. Sir, Gary's dead. Great. <laughs> oh. well, finger extra. It looks like it's your lucky day. No, wait. I want to cut off my fingers. No. Here, take this gun. Put those fingers to work. Huh? <laughs> See what I did. Oh, you want me to shoot? Oh, then I mutilated the wrong hat. Damn it. By the way, I'm blind. Meanwhile, Thor takes the kid out of a car trunk and hands him a jug of piss. Yeah, make it last. I had a lot of bread at lunch. He takes his shirt off. The kid stares at Thor's naked back hungrily while Thor puts the same shirt back on. This <laughs> is his phone. He takes a picture. Oh, this is something fun I do with everyone I meet. What's your name? Uh, Kelly forgot. Uh... <laughs> Boy, he can't be bothered to look back. <laughs> Here, now you take this one and just the shirt. Actually, we should uh, just let me handle this. No, I rescue yeah, there one number. I, I thought I wrote it down on the uh, rake warranty, but... Meanwhile, a bearded man stares at a boat. His phone rings. Yeah. 
what boat? Someone shoots him in the head. Meanwhile, Thor makes the kid stop walking. Oh, shh. I thought I heard someone step on a twig. That was you, Mr. Thor. A helicopter stares at them. Thor finds a car and its keys in his pocket. It's <laughs> driving around. Cops show up, so Thor tricks them by reversing. <laughs> <laughs> Thor hands the kid his phone as he plows over screaming extras. Here, call someone. I'm in survival mode. Beside me, Burt Reynolds yawns. On the phone, Thor's ex-girlfriend's all, No, Thor, make a left at the next fruit cart. No, left. No, that's a fruit tree. Jesus. Actor Ryan Gosling suddenly just walked into my apartment. Oh, he's seizing my headset. This Mother's Day, I will be eating a live bat at Crooked Wings in Wuhan province for sweatpants money. I will also be pitching to baffled Chinese bat barbers my pitch for first man to colon, still first, Although it's honored just to be nominated, thank you, Ms. Dunaway. Semicolon, The Search. It's actually a crossover with uh, Apollo 18 and Apollo 11 and Creed and Cats. He's walking out while he talks. And Thor now. Meanwhile, Thor tries to throw the kid to his death, but misses. Then grabs the cameraman and falls off the roof. What the fuck, Hemsworth? I'm crying. <laughs> Later. Mr. Thor, you just made us jump out of a high-speeding bus seconds before it somehow exploded and killed millions. I love you. Look, a helicopter. <laughs> Don't worry, kid. They won't look for a son of this overpass. Gotcha. Too shadowy. Could be spoilers. Meanwhile. Um, yeah, so Thor was driving this bus. Shut up. Find him. Before I find you. Meanwhile, Thor tapes his arm back on. La 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 <laughs> Thor, by the way, some gunmen might try to kill you and the child. I forgot to mention. Oh, I might have hit send all. Also, ditch the kid. That story thread is kind of played out. So, we'll have a chopper dating for you on the Act 3 bridge. <laughs> Good. Remember me motorcycle adventure in Cabin in the Woods? <laughs> No, it's a helicopter. Jesus. Good luck losing the stiff. Click. Mr. Thor, your phone is very loud. I am like package in brown paper. <laughs> My eyes are the stamps. What is <laughs> Here, look. I play piano when I'm nervous. My father thinks of me the same way you do, as his son. The Thor's hearing the word idiot. Meanwhile, in the adjacent hotel room, a man stares in the bathroom mirror and accidentally breaks his nose. Oh! <laughs> Mirrors. <laughs> Some feral kids attack Thor in an alley, but he tricks them with poison gas and by closing doors on their arms and by throwing their jockey-sized stunt doubles into stuff. Yet another <laughs> goes up. Thor, this is the uh, Indiana Jamaican police. Um, you're under arrest for not getting knifed by feral kids. <laughs> Thor notices a sewer, so he enters it later. La, 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 la. Thor. No, it's Chiquita. Your Thor. Your Thor. <laughs> what do you want? You called me on purpose. Ugh. I mean, call my friend Gasper. He was the new Hellboy everybody liked so much. Uh, yeah. If he's anything like a sta Stranger Things character, you'll mix him up with Josh Brolin. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a banquet, the villain opens a napkin. Ah, a finger. 
Uh, feed all 12 guests? <laughs> I had him, sir. I mean, I didn't, but at least my finger, you know, failed to escape. I guess I could have checked with you by email. Um, you guys eating? A Spanish John Houston in a blue uniform walks up. I become momentarily important uh, much later. Remember you saw me. Meanwhile, in a dark bedroom, Thor feeds his new kid a tin bowl of Cheetos. <laughs> Mr. Thor, you do not look like a Thor. What do I look like? A Diane or a Martha. A Diane or a Martha. My mother's name was one of those. Mr. Thor? Uh, what? Were you always like this? Brave? Lately, I'm no more for me comedy work, like El Royale. And I had me a what? Children? No, she was an adult. I mean, did you have <laughs> movies again? I could barely finish the Keen War. Probably because she was a bad cook. I guess I am brave. Mr. Thor, I love you. You were my favorite Ghostbuster and my eighth favorite Avenger after Hawkeye left. Uh, not including Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Obviously. On an unrelated note, Mr. Thor, you drown not by falling in the river, but by staying underneath in the water's surface, below it. And there is no oxygen. <laughs> it is an old medical saying in India, which is not near any water. Classic hypocrisy, Mr. Thor. I wish I was a doctor. I would cure the dead and have many large mistresses. Do you love me back, Mr. Thor? Yeah, I'm going to be downstairs. All right. Where do I leave uh, a room in the future before you start masturbating? Also, going forward. Meet downstairs. Thor cheers up by watching my buddy, Josh Brolin, drink. Thor, bro, we're old friends. <laughs> This isn't my Hellboy makeup, by the way. <laughs> my beard. Speaking of which, uh, I shot my first dove when I was 10. <laughs> oh, man. Gave me my first black eye when it landed. My dad laughed at me. <laughs> Classic Brolin prick. Hey, you should shoot that kid in the brain. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I occasionally like that child. He's not out of focus. Right. Well. <laughs> no way, this is for saving my life one time off screen. Brolin attacks Thor while rock music plays. Thor retaliates with a thermos. Beside me, Damon and Keanu yawn. The kid walks in with a pistol, I guess, he found. <laughs> Mr. Thor, which white man are you? Never mind, I shall guess. <laughs> Good work, kid. Damn traitors. Oh, he was a traitor. Oh, I love you, Mr. Thor. Do you love me yet? Yeah, okay, just keep it. They watch Brolin breathe poorly for a bit. Then they cry as they miss his murderous ways. Thor calls a random number. Luckily, it belongs to a man he hit with a truck earlier named Josh. Character, I've got the boy, but I need your help. <laughs> In the morning, while Taps plays over the city's PA system, you get this annoying kid across the bridge. I'll distract those thousand troops with me training from Chechnya. <laughs> An aid launcher nearby and starts blowing up old women and camels till a couple extras fall over. One tries to shoot back, but mistakes a head of lettuce for Thor's. Meanwhile, Josh drapes a rug over his head and masquerades as an old woman. Oh, that thing. <laughs> hey, Mamacita, sexy in the shawl. You're <laughs> Just keep walking. Uh, you're cool. Uh, why are you shooting me? Oh. <laughs> Thor, it's me, Josh. I've been made. Thor's kid, run. The family and SUV chain gun in the sunroof is all. Hey, look, it's Thor. They open fire. Another helicopter shows up. 
Thor's ex-girlfriend shoots it, so it's fiery wreckage almost kills the kid. Oh, girls. Thor suddenly makes a row of handy grenade-sized holes on the side of the SUV that he's standing next to and drops some grenades in there. (laughs) Well, inside they're all, oh, what? (laughs) Those were a mistake. We should have made them smaller. Thor! As the SUV goes on blowing up behind him, I guess you could say me favorite pineapple's upside down cake. I mean, uh, me favorite cake. Because uh, grenades, they look like pineapples. Although not these grenades, actually. They were kind of... Meanwhile, the kid gets confused and runs onto a school bus. Josh is all, hey guys, this shawl's actually pretty comfortable. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Thor's ex-girlfriend finds a sniper rifle next to her grenade launcher and throws it. John Huston explodes. All right, kid. Run for the unblown up helicopter while I stand here and wait. <laughs> but Mr. <laughs> Thor, there's enough time for me to run alone to safety. Surely that means that there is also sufficient time for you as well also to run alongside me back there and survive. All right, all right. You go first, all. Thor starts limping to safety while his ex and the soldiers on both sides all watch helpfully from a few feet away. <laughs> Suddenly, oh! a figure takes Thor in the back of the head. The finger guy smiles down at his fresh stump <laughs> as he falls off the bridge. <laughs> Watching from his balcony, the villains all <sighs> well played. Well <laughs> Falling off the bridge. Some words are all 888 months later. The villain pees in a restroom. Thor's ex-girlfriend comes in to also pee. This makes me I miss a couple minutes. Meanwhile, the kid misses Thor so much he goes swimming at a deserted pool. Then, though he didn't see the earlier scene, he sits on the bottom of the pool like Thor, <laughs> sucking. When he surfaces, he sees Thor standing in the distance, now out of focus from his injuries. Beside <laughs> me, Michael Caine's all, What the fuck?! <laughs> Kelly Wan, you made me like Extraction quite a bit more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's do over and unders real quick. Uh, Tony, I might not have uh, reminded you. Uh, what we'll do is uh, name a movie we like a little bit better than this, a movie we don't like quite as much. Uh, so I don't know if uh, – yeah. Yes. Okay, good. I'm, so you are ready. ready. All right, so uh, I'll go first. I'll do an over and under. Uh, a movie I like better than this, and I'm comparing it mainly because uh, – I want to talk about the continuous shot action sequence in the middle of the movie. There's an example of that in a movie I talked about a little bit last week that I recently saw called Rhythm Section with uh, Blake Lively, uh, and she plays someone who becomes a uh, kind of a, an assassin. She goes out and assassinates terrorists, and there's a bunch of action sequences in it. And I feel it does uh, – because it has more care – paid to its characters because I think the actors are better and they're given more to work with in Rhythm Section, which is another dumb action movie. I liked Rhythm Section better. A movie I didn't like as much, and it reminds me a lot of this, is a Mark Wahlberg movie called Mile 22, uh, which was supposed to take place in Indonesia, and the idea is that Mark Wahlberg has to escort someone across a stretch of, uh, of city to an extraction point. And that's the premise. Of, that's the that's the uh, the overall premise of the movie. So it's about getting to mile 22. He's got to cross 22 miles of Indonesia, uh, escorting someone. And that movie, 
doesn't have very good action. Uh, it's just a throwaway, a throwaway Peter Berg movie. Uh, Peter Berg does all kinds of stuff like this with Mark Wahlberg. Completely forgettable. At least there were some memorable things about Extraction. Uh, so those are my over and under. Kelly Wand. What? Actually, you know what, Tony? You go next. What's a movie that's better than Extraction and a movie that's not quite as good? Okay. Um. So my overs and unders are movies, movies that. I watched because of this podcast, actually. Ah. Um, and my my over uh, is a movie that it took me a little while to warm up to, but um, over the years I have actually grown to like this movie and this entire franchise. Um, my over is John Wick, hmm. which uh, I I think there are some parallels to this movie in that. Uh, well, there are, there are some parallels to this movie, but I think the thing that I most like about John Wick is that the action is so um, absurd that it crosses the line of self-parody into practically a dance performance. And it is just really fun and thrilling to watch and so far divorced from anything approaching what we be- what we understand as reality that I can appreciate it on a different kind of, of level of, of like pure performance and physical expression. Um, mm-hmm. And a, uh, a movie that I didn't like as much as this that has no parallels to this movie, but I did watch because of this podcast, is Knives Out. It is so, so bad. Um, a lot of people like I, that movie, Tony, for some reason. It's, uh, why? I think just because they don't know Agatha Christie movies, maybe? like that They're like, oh, look how novel this is, all of these characters, and they're all suspects, and... I, I, I don't understand the fun. more murder mysteries in a chamber or a parlor. Right? Rooms. This is crazy. Yeah. They're going to make sequels to this, to Knives Out, I think. What? It's just, yeah, they're, they're, they're bringing back Daniel Craig's character is now going to become a recurring character. It's truly the worst. I will believe um, that, Tony, when it happens. Like, I know that they want to, but I can't imagine. I mean, I also would have told you there would never be another Alien movie by Ridley Scott at a certain point, though. So don't listen to me. But, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, so those are uh, those are my over and unders. Kelly Wan, what's a movie slightly better than this? A movie that's not quite as good. But she wouldn't necessarily be in the sequel. In Adarmus, I was thinking. But she should be. But now her check's gone up, huh? All right. Anyway, my over <laughs> under. My over is seventy one. A movie I saw oh. against this podcast. And, Actually, that's uh, a good call. Yeah. I really like that because it was really about. Um, like military people and it felt really authentic and it got me really into the characters and just uh and it's this whole idea of we've got to cross this one stretch of hostile city and rather than play it up like a big crazy over-the-top action movie it's like a serious drama about that yeah 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 the geography is critical and in this movie well my under is uh iron eagle 2 the battle beyond the flat (laughs) i still like it as a title i love the idea that the battle's beyond the flag but I love the. Here's the thing about Extraction. I love the first hour of this. Actually, I hated the second hour. I thought it got really boring and predictable in the mm-hmm. uh, cardboard. I'm and with I, you a little bit. Yeah, there was way less John Wick in the second hour. Now, when you and, say you're with him a little bit, Tony, why why do you say a little bit? Because that's so sort of my I, experience as well. Is I I really liked a lot of er, of this early on, but the longer it went on, the less interested I was in it, and the more I broke yeah. up with it. Why? why do yeah, you think? yeah. Uh, so I liked a lot, a lot of what it was showing me in the beginning was, um, pushed some of my buttons that I, that I like, uh, and some of it was unusual and, and, um, uh, showing me something that I hadn't really been expecting from this movie. So it was appealing to me in two different ways. The, the pushing the buttons that I liked were, um, I love 
in a movie. I mean, I love the tropes of the grizzled veteran who is being dug up out of an alcoholic stupor uh, to go back for one last mission. And uh, I love that trope. I love the trope of the kind of uh, the here's here's the tactics that we're going to use to to do this exfiltration. And, and here's the compound you're going to go into. And, and, you know, Gary is going to be on backup. And and we'll make we'll we'll give you a secret code when it's time to start you know doing X Y and Z. I I love all that. I love thinking about you know the the. We're all gonna really do nothing till you get to the bridge. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Pretty. And and then they they proceeded to to do nothing interesting uh, with the rest the rest of the movie. The the part of the movie that that I that uh, didn't feel like a hundred percent a trope or a thing I'd seen a thousand times before that I also liked for different reasons was this sneak peek uh, into the lives of these kids who come from these fabulously wealthy families in a nation that has tremendous wealth disparity. And these kids have these incredible lives that are funded by crime. uh, And they're kind of, you know, I'm sure they're aware of it to some extent, but they're so uh, sheltered from it that it's, it doesn't, uh, it, it's not encroaching on their lives in a specific sort of way. The scene where the kids were at the club, I, that was so weird to me. Yeah, like, why are yeah. these kids allowed in this club? Yeah. Uh, but I, it, I wanted to know more about that, and um, all that was kind of was kind of interesting and cool. And uh, the movie couldn't seem eager enough to drop all that like a hot potato and and proceed on with the stultifying order of the day, which was a lot of uh, a lot of boring fight cliche, scenes. Cliche. Yeah. So do you guys didn't know that because I had to look into this. Uh, do you know about the source material for this? I know that it's a comic book and I know that's set in, I want to say, Peru? Paraguay, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a, a comic book that uh, Joe Russo and his brother Anthony did, uh, I think yeah. with some other folks. And I presume – I mean I don't, I don't know for sure. Well, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that they did it as a way to sell a script. I don't know if it's actually like a comic book primarily or the comic book was like a proof of concept and then they sold it as a script. Um, uh, but uh, So it was a comic book and it was set in Latin America, in Paraguay, uh, and obviously that's not where the, the movie takes place. Uh, do you guys have any opinions about why maybe this is set where it is instead of in Latin America? I was curious about that, and I I googled about it for a couple of seconds, not long enough to actually learn anything about why. Um, oh. I don't know why, but I am curious if you have any thoughts about why. Well, I, I'm assuming, and I, I this is just an assumption. I didn't Google this, but I'm assuming because it's not uh, not a political hotbed. Is my prediction going to say? What is it, Kelly Wand? Uh, India is not like a political hotbed where it's like touchy. I think it's way more practical than that. I think it's just simply a matter of there's no filmmaking infrastructure in Latin America the way there is in India. Uh, like I think uh, if you uh, – It's so not political. I, I don't think it's – I mean I actually don't know for sure, and I didn't Google this, but I do know that it's not easy to go down to Paraguay or to Brazil or – you know, there, there's a lot of creative filmmaking there, but there isn't the kind of film infrastructure that Bollywood has created in India. Uh, th- this movie, by the way, is set in Bangladesh, which is – it's a whole other weird thing, which is kind of part of India, but not really. Um, I like that look, though. That was really cool. Like, well, that's that's the thing is the, yeah. the, the actual drone foot. So this was also shot by a fellow named Thomas Newton Siegel, who was Brian Singer's director of photography for all of his movies. He did a, a movie, which I really like, and I think it looks good. 
but nobody saw called Seventh Son. Uh, he did Drive for Nicholas Wade. I watched that soon, by the way. But go on. So, so the Thomas Newton Siegel, I think his cinematography in this is 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 amazing. This is a great looking movie, and part of what looks great is the actual drone photography of the city where it takes place, but where it wasn't actually shot. It was shot in India, but the city where it uh-huh. takes place is this big sprawling city in Bangladesh, and the drone footage of that was amazing. Like it just was so evocative the way it looked. Like, and and I I think also it just had so much, it had such a different kind of character not being set in latin america where of course there are drug lords and like i kind of liked that weird tweak but i'm guessing and i don't know for sure that it's strictly a matter of if you want to have a a decently budgeted uh vehicle for a celebrity of chris hemsworth's caliber which is actually not inconsiderable uh it's much safer to do it in india there's infrastructure there it's easier to get it insured there are crews that are readily available uh the fellow who directed this sam hargrave he is a stuntman he comes from the chase the same sort of background as as david leach and chad stahelski who did the john wick movies um and so you you have stuntmen available you have the the kinds of people to do crowd control for big city scenes like they had here uh so i'm guessing it was just a matter of practicality that they lifted up the source material out of latin america and dropped it into india uh, by the way did you know that sam hargrave is in the movie who who was he i didn't uh i, I wouldn't know him on site who was he did he have lines yeah he was a pretty significant part of the movie. He was the bearded backup guy. Who, no, the one who yeah. I liked who gets he's out in the woods who gets shot, his sniper buddy. Yeah. No, oh, I oh, loved yeah. him. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really cool. Now. Oh yeah. Remind me of Gene and what Hot American Summer a little bit. I really liked that guy though. Like he stood out yeah. for me. That's cool. Okay, well yeah. good for Sam Hargrave. Sam Hargrave, by the way, and I think this gets it that long middle stretch where there's the continuous shot quote-unquote continuous shot uh, sequence. Uh, Sam Hargrave was the stunt coordinator for Atomic Blonde. Like, he was the guy who was responsible for why the scenes played out. I mean, David Leach directed it, but he brought in Sam Hargrave to coordinate all the those action sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, when I, when actually this was announced and I knew it was coming up on Netflix, uh, I kind of figured this whole idea of giving stuntmen the directorial oversight for a movie like they got lightning in a bottle with the guys who did uh, john wick and i was sure that they couldn't recapture that and for the most part i think like i don't think they did i think extraction really does kind of fall apart but while it's firing on on all cylinders and while it is clearly a labor of love by a stuntman i think extraction is great yeah there's some great parts really okay (laughs) <laughs> like 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 Tony I I like once once it tries to actually make you care about the characters I think it just fails miserably. Uh-huh. That's like, the uh, whole second hour. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that's the that's a tactical mistake is to put that continuous sequence in there uh in the middle and then just get completely soggy with all this character stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the the action at the end by the way, hugely disappointing compared yeah. to the action in the I in know. the middle. Like it yeah. really does have this weird peak right in the middle, and then nothing lives up to that, and that's Nothing's not expected either. Like no twists. Exactly, exactly, and that's not how you do a movie. Is you don't do this awesome thing in the middle and then fail to live up to it for another hour. It's just the moment he before he falls off the bridge. There's no reason to tell the story that way otherwise. Like oh, now I have new insight. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I really so don't. I completely agree that like they 
failed to top that that uh, one shot sequence at any point in the rest of the movie. And I found myself with with movies like this, um, I can really uh, tell when I'm drifting out of it because I just start wanting to focus on almost anything else. And and right. any, anytime there was news <laughs> crawls. What's that? Well, Tom's thing is news crawls when he oh, starts. His, what's your version of that? Uh. You mean he starts looking at news crawls? Yeah, like Tony, if I'm if I'm watching a movie and I start to pay attention to the news crawls and either how stupid they are or how nobody really paid attention uh, to them. Oh, like in the movie. Exactly. That means I'm losing interest in the movie, so I start noticing the news crawls, like things you're, that are funny. just not supposed to draw your eye. They're just there for detail. Yeah. So, so well, I, in this in this new ahead. era where we can't go to movie theaters, because of course we all we would have seen this in a theater if we had the opportunity to, but we can't right now because of the current circumstances. So we all watched it at home on Netflix where it was released. And of course there are so many other distractions at home. And so I just started looking around thinking, gee, should I, what should I be cleaning right oh. now? Like, should I be, um, and it, it's a dusty movie is dust. There's, there's a lot of dust in that movie. Um, I was on board. I mean, up until the, yeah, about midway, I would say, through the movie when there just started being these action sequences that really completely failed to keep my interest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, it's hard. It is hard for me, even in the beginning, uh, any any scene where there is a big guy fighting a bunch of other guys and they're coming at him one at a time. Yeah, it's just like, why aren't you guys ganging up on him? <laughs> why are you taking turns? And if in a movie I like think that, the movie's fucked. <laughs> well, yeah. And in a movie like John Wick, where it's essentially a performance, like it, I really do feel that John Wick, John Wick's good best action scenes are dance performances. Like they're about these trained and skilled uh, performers just leaping through the air and slicing weapons through the air and, yeah. and moving in these ways that no one, that don't even approximate what act people actually fighting would, would do, but they're so beautiful to look at and so expertly choreographed um, that it's just a, a pleasure to watch. And this movie, um, it's no more quote unquote real. The combat is no more quote unquote realistic than it is in John Wick, but it's, but it was also kind of, uh, bog standard action movie and so without that kind of uh, sort of flourish or artistic edge to it I, it just I just started noticing all the the little things that seemed so um, action movie ish about the the combat scenes and the action scenes I, um, the, the the thing where like and I'm so glad that you brought up John Wick as being like a like a, a dance performance and being sort of hyper re like it, it's an it's an alternate reality kind of and it's really exciting and thrilling being in that alternate reality. Uh, whereas here, I was hoping what they were going to do, Tony, and I feel they did for a little bit, was put this tactics guy who is just like an American soul. Well, American, I suppose he's supposed to be uh, British or whatever. I don't know what army he comes from but he was supposed to be i think in afghanistan so australian or whatever but they put this basically white soldier in this third world country and have everybody try to kill him and, and he kills them he well there's so the there, there are so many like i guess innocent policemen and like there's so many this is such a non-hollywood style of violence this is clearly a place where According to the story and according to the people shooting the movie, uh, where life is disposable. 
And I yeah. kind of like it, it's 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 got this like almost icky grindhouse feel to it, which I don't mind. I mean, the movie's on board with it, and I'm kind of okay watching that. But I don't think it really followed through with that. It just no, happened it feels, to be a f- yeah. facet of it. Like 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 I I kind of thought like if if I to make this a thoughtful movie with an alternate reality, there's this idea of the, this almost golden god wading right. into this horrific third world country and then it eventually grinding him down and destroying him. That's what I thought was going to happen. And uh-huh. that would have been like a kind of a cool <laughs> overall structure for this movie. And that would have been perfect too, by the way, for Chris Hemsworth as a, a celebrity presence – um, but I don't. I think the movie had no interest in that. That was just me kind of hoping for that being the structure, based on the introduction where you see that he's going to die, and then the backup, and we show the the operation falling apart. Um, yeah. But it, none of that was really there. That was all the just. The Aryan a, God kills all the brown people. But that was the thing, though, Kelly Wan, is that it, it grinds him down in the end. Like in the end, his, his goldenness, his whiteness as a guy in a third world country uh, can't save him. Like it, it eventually destroys him. But that's – even the, the, the stupid ending, by the way, or nope, he's alive oh, yeah. and he gets to have the relationship with this, the boy and oh. – uh, but, but that's – Not that. That's kind of where I was hoping it was going, and that's where I was able to completely enjoy the action sequences all the way up, even even that early middle part where it peaked when he then fights the kids in the alley, and he obviously doesn't want to kill any of them. Like, that was an interesting approach to an action sequence, but Uh everything after that, you know, oh, and and by the way, I was all... When he sees the uh, the SUV, he's all, the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, weak. But um, even even too where he runs into David Harbor, I really like David Harbor as a casting choice because, and th- this Kelly Wan gets at what you're talking about. Once the movie becomes predictable, and I realize it's not really doing anything interesting like what I was hoping for, but the last unpredictable thing for me, and at this point I was still kind of on board, was uh, David Harbor showing up because I think that's inspired casting because David Harbor either could have been. The bad guy who betrays him, which is what happens, right. or the good guy who has to sacrifice himself right. to save that's him. It. And yeah, and I didn't know which way it was going to go, and it made a decision. That's fine. But everything after then was just dull and expected and not cleverly shot and completely lost me and, and pretty much scuttled my goodwill for the earlier parts of the movie. Uh, so we all have the same exact reaction is what it sounds like. Sort of. It sounds like you guys had a slightly more more positive reaction. Uh, I thought it was. I thought you liked the first hour too. Maybe I um, I liked the first hour ish, but but uh, I don't know. I I was I had bad expectations. I think and but um, I thought it, I also thought it was funny how he was being Chris Hemsworth was being sent into this mission where it had sort of an undercover aspect to it, at least in the beginning, and he was supposed to do some yeah. reconnaissance work. And uh, they sent the six foot eight tall Australian guy <laughs> into this village in Bangladesh. Oh, and don't worry, we have backup for you. Another six foot eight tall white guy uh, in a baseball cap, reading kind of casually sipping a coffee and reading a newspaper leaning against the building. Like nobody will notice you guys. Um, how did you guys feel about um, the about uh, Randy Puda? I think is the actor yeah. who played Saju. That was another thing too. Is I really enjoyed not recognizing the cast and picking out as I'm watching it. Okay, this guy's obviously a celebrity for, from India. Uh, and, and like Golshifti Farahani, I've, I recognized from other stuff she's been in, and she's been around for a while. She's actually Iranian. Uh, so, but but that that guy Randy Puda, clearly once he's on screen in a couple of scenes, you're like, okay, this guy's 
Obviously, he's probably been cast because of his appeal in local in in India. Uh, I really did enjoy watching him. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of wished they'd. I mean, I he guess they a lot of texture to a thankless role. Texture's a good way to put it, Kelly Wand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did did you like him, Tony? Did he stand yeah, out for you? I well? liked him. I liked him. It, I was a little confused about what um, I was supposed to be thinking about his character and like what his whole what his motivation was and and why uh he was now trying to seize the kid from Chris Hemsworth early on in the movie without without paying i i since read about, read other people discussing oh, cuz i'm still confused i have no idea whose side he was on or why he like i, I I didn't. I, I. I'm. I'm completely lost as to what his motivations were throughout the movie. Why yeah. did he kill Chris Hemsworth's buddies when Chris Hemsworth was working to do the same thing? That makes no right. sense to me. Yeah. Well, I. Th- I do think that if since we watched the movie and we didn't get it, the movie has failed in yeah. telling us those, in conveying that information to us. But um, uh. So my understanding is he and there's a little bit of breadcrumbing of this in some of the scenes where, with his wife. So, but his boss says, you know, get you let me down in jail, uh, right? The, yeah, the bo- the, yeah, yeah. The guy who's in jail says get he tells him to get Chris Hemsworth, right? I, does, does he know Chris Hemsworth or he knows this organization? Oh, I thought, wait, the boss who's in jail was the kid's dad. But yeah, but you know, remember the guy at the school, the guy with glasses, and then when, after the kid gets uh, boosted, yeah, I've been uh, watching Sopranos a lot lately. That's another thing that bothered me about this movie. It's like nobody dies in a, the, like no civilians. But anyway, uh, doesn't he go? Oh, you let me down. You let him get kidnapped or something. Like he's you know, a basically here. Tony, I, keep well, explaining because I think Tony's okay. the only one on this podcast who knows. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I know, but I yeah. So the guy in jail is the kid's dad, and, right? And uh, Rondi Puda is like his caretaker, the kid's right. caretaker. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the dad says, get this organization, get Chris. The dad, I can't remember if the dad specifically knows who Chris Hemsworth is and is like, get this guy. He's, you know, he can, he can track the kid down and, and save him. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, Rondi Puda agrees to it. And then he's telling his wife later on, yeah, my boss is not going to be able to afford Chris Hemsworth, uh, he's not going to be able to pay for it. Oh, um, but we have to figure out. You know, we have to use him anyway because this is the only way we're going to get this this kid. Oh my god! We're not going to. You know, then he's going to come after us. He's going to come come after you. You know, my boss, the guy in jail for the, you know, whatever dealings he's been up to. He's going to he's going to have us killed if if we don't uh, get Chris Hemsworth to do this. So we have to figure out a way to hire Chris Hemsworth. But not have to pay him. Not have to pay Chris Hemsworth. Now, see, that's a great. I, get, I do remember that scene, Tony, but I guess I didn't get. That wasn't the takeaway I got from I it. I didn't which, either. I didn't either. He gives them the ransom money. He gives him the ransom money in the duffel bag, right? When they I meet. Uh, he and then the guy goes, he goes, just like that. Oh, right, right. Chris Hemsworth gives him he a bag, it. and I wasn't sure what was in it. Like, there were guns. Uh, yeah. I'm, well, there were guns oh, in yeah, that bag. Guns. All right, I'm done. Well, I thought well, it was no. the <laughs> yeah, there, I thought Chris Hemsworth was posing as a bag man. And that, that's the ransom money from the original scene where he gets the kid, but then they go, oh, I tell you people to pay us. See, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that they're th- – these are all cool character beats that were completely lost. Like what's in the bag? Yeah. Is there ever ransom money? Who's doing what for whom? I love right. this idea though that that uh, that, that Randy Puda's character has to hire Chris Hemsworth but then betray him because he can't afford him and he's covering for his boss. That – that you know, Kelly Wan uh, used the word texture for the actor. That's like – 
texture for the character as well that I'm, I'm sure. sad that I missed. I love that. Completely lost on us, and that's, I think, the movie's failing. And also, it's, it's a little ridiculous that, yeah, we'll hire Chris Hemsworth to basically take on countless uh, yeah. opponents and rescue this kid, and then I, Randy Puda, will take him on one-on-one and somehow beat him in a fight when dozens of other people couldn't beat him uh, and, and, and get the kid back without paying him. Um, but I, Randy Puda, can am not cut out for the job that we sent Chris Hemsworth to do, but I can still beat Chris Hemsworth in a in a one-on-one fight. Uh, he comes pretty anyway. close. He takes out Chris Hemsworth's three buddies. He does take out the three buddies, yeah. yeah. They hit each other with cars. I, you know, so okay, so let's then talk about that middle sequence because that's where I'm like, you know what, whatever else this movie does, I'm totally on board. And then it proceeded to do things that made me lose it. But I loved that sequence that was one continuous shot. Uh, uh-huh. Is that a gimmick? Should I be less impressed? I would. Well, do, I, I love that shit. I always love it. Okay, um, Tony, go. Sorry. It's, sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's thrilling and exhilarating to watch stuff like that. But now I don't even know if it's. You know, I don't know how much of it is done with computers and how impressed I should oh. be. Right. Yeah. Like Tom Cruise in the helicopter. Like all of it's with computer. Like I mean, that's the thing, Tony. Is it's not. I, so here's the thing that ultimately, like I, I, it is thrilling to watch Tony. But what's thrilling to watch for me isn't necessarily the execution because the execution it's all cheated you know right. everything is cheated there, there right. there's nothing here you should be too impressed with i mean there's some really uh, impressive just stunt work and there's there's some clever camera stuff done but the execution cg will cover for anything and anytime you see a continuous shot, we are no longer, you know, this isn't rope anymore. This isn't the right. opening <laughs> shot of, of, of Goodfellas. Like, all of this is CG. But what thrills me about this, again, it's not the execution. And, Tony, it gets at what you mentioned with John Wick. It's the choreography. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's stitched together as one continuous shot. So what? But what are you going to do with that one continuous shot? And I actually feel that upon reflection, being in the middle of it, and watching it as it unfolds is thrilling, but mm-hmm. thinking back on it, I think it's kind of dumb. And here's why. Uh, so did, did, did either of you see 1917? Yeah. I did not. I did not. Okay, because 1917, that's also the gimmick there, is it's one continuous yeah. shot. But it's a gimmick. They do that because it's told from the perspective of the soldiers. The, con- the continuity of the shot has more to do with perspective. Um, and in 1917, I, I think Sam Mendes knows why he's doing it. He and Roger Deakins do a great job of laying it out. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of craft to it in 1917, and there's motivation behind it. There's a narrative reason for it. In Extraction, there is no reason for it other than that they can. Because the shot begins with Chris Hemsworth and the boy getting in the car, and then it ends, I think, after they crash the bus under the the, uh, overpass. But throughout there, it jumps around from perspectives. Like, it'll follow a policeman who gets out of a a truck and then goes up into an apartment. There's no narrative reason or motivation for it other than we're just going to pretend this is all the same camera shooting all of this. Uh, I'm still fascinated by it. I still love it. I know what you're saying. Though. You're right. Well, well, I do too, but I, I don't think – like here's another example. There's a terrible Ang Lee movie that just came out uh, called Gemini Man. And uh, you know uh-huh. you, have to, you have to be a Will Smith completionist. Although Kelly Wand, I think there's some really nice Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it that both you and I could appreciate. Uh, okay. But Gemini Man has a continuous shot motor- motorcycle chase. And Ang Lee 
knows choreography. I mean, this is the guy that did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And the choreography in that motorcycle chase is amazing. Even if there's no real perspective, there's no real narrative reason for it, the choreography is amazing in that. Uh, So the Gemini Man motorcycle chase is great. I mentioned the movie called Rhythm Section earlier. There's a car chase in it, which also does a continuous shot thing, but I'll watch in, it tonight. You've well, me. The, the beautiful thing about the, the car chase, in, in, and it's not nearly as showy, but the point of the, sh- the continuous shot in rhythm section, it never leaves the interior of the car. Oh, it's cool. always in the car with Blake Lively, but what it's doing is looking around, showing you what she sees, rather than just all this showmanship with, hey, which where's the camera going to go now? Um, right. So I, I do find it thr- – exactly. I find it thrilling to watch it. Uh, but I think that people do this now because they can and not because they should. Okay, so, I mean, you're absolutely right, and I'm going to defend the shot now yeah, yeah. by pointing out that the movie is not good enough <laughs> to criticize on that level because <laughs> the reason that Tony didn't like it as much as John Wick is John Wick keeps going. John Wick stays in that key. And John Wick, like that character and his like this, his life, like it just everything about it, like there's nothing, there's no dead air. And in this, it's kind of just fizzles out after a certain point. It never you, comes back. And yeah, I'll, uh, I missed that one shot. <laughs> um, about yeah, the, the, different perspectives. Like, I like the idea of that. Like, it's an experimental tr- thing. Like, okay, this is what this guy's doing at this point, And you get to see these are the little rooms. Like, you're seeing parts of India, and you're getting a sense of the geography of it. Uh, a little more like that's where like when outside of that shot i'm not getting that in this movie like the one shot i'm getting is that one good one all right i'll shut up sorry well i, I, I think that go on tom well well i just because i want to address what kelly wan was saying here uh, kelly wan you can do that you can do insights into bits of india without it being a continuous shot because i because i think what this what this ends up being is kind of like the chase scene in Raising Arizona, where it just goes through random yeah. little areas, and the, the Coen brothers use that to just show you little bits of of this. Look this, how cool we are. <laughs> well, and just yeah, and look how crazy that where this chase scene is. It's going through these different places. Look at um, all the work we did to shoot this. The the thing like 1917 reminded me a lot of when you do a continuous shot. There has to be a degree of stagecraft to it because when you do a continuous shot, it reminds me in a, in a way of uh, when you're playing a video game. When you're playing a video game, there's none of the language of editing because a video game, you're controlling the camera, you're moving the character, you're deciding where to go. But the people who lay out the world for you, especially if they want it to be like a Call of Duty action game, they have to do a lot of stagecraft for you. They have to do a lot of management of where you're looking when. Um, there has to be a lot of stagecraft behind these continuous shots, and that's what works so well in 1917. Whereas here, like it really felt arbitrary and unnecessary. It, it, it was thrilling, but I don't think there was a reason for them to do it other than to, to be showy. Um, like I don't, I don't think that the, those little glimpses of, of India, uh, you, you didn't, it didn't need to be a continuous shot to, to show that. Uh, like that was great. I, that was a cool. You know part why of I liked scene. it? Here you're gonna love this. Okay. Remember how you said uh, something about the slasher always knows where to be. Right. So that's what makes him like Thor is their slasher. So that <laughs> that shot is like it's like a slasher movie for these guards. Or like uh, then you don't know where he's gonna pop out to be. I don't know. I have fun watching dumb action movies so i was like well hey when's the when's the kill shot gonna come how long is the shot gonna go on yeah well you know what it is for me it's instead of paying attention to a news crawl i just have to like 
then later on in the movie wonder, wait, that other scene was really cool. Why isn't the rest of the movie Why that am good? I'm still watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hell. But wait, Tony was going to say stuff. But we well, I was. I just wanted to mention one thing and then ask you guys your uh, thoughts about something else. But um, I noticed a thing in this movie that uh, they did, they did it once or twice, and it happens to John Wick a lot. And I I used to, I think it's kind of funny in John Wick, um, and it, equally funny here, although played more straight here. But uh, there's a way that John Wick shoots people, and I don't know if John Wick originated this. Or if this was borrowed from some other movie uh, or what, but it, John Wick shoots people like this all the time. Um, and in fact, when I saw when I saw John Wick two with Tom, actually, uh, I, I remarked on this I think in person. But um, John Wick will do this thing where, uh, as I like to put it, he'll he'll shoot him in the foot, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the foot, shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, first yeah. he'll shoot somebody in the foot, then he'll shoot him in the face. If you're yeah. close, if you can shoot somebody in the foot, why not start by shooting them in the face? <laughs> It's your move. He's it, maybe it's an aiming thing, or he just it's a it's just as uh, like it's calling card, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I just don't know. Uh, and yeah, uh, does it too. You're right. That's a good. Call. Chris Hemsworth did it in this movie yeah. once, where he shot somebody in the foot and shot him in the face. If you can get their yeah. foot, just shoot him in the face, and you'll save with a bullet at the very least. I um, noticed like that is how those guys fall every time. Like they're waiting to get shot in the foot, and then they yeah. have to wait to get shot in the head before they can fall over. Yeah. But these are covered in masks. You can't see their actual brains get sprayed. High hard on. Well, I Whatever. think the answer to this, Tony, uh, is uh, and, and you're you're dead on. But I think what you're seeing is just stuntmen having fun. It's just stuntmen yeah. wanting to play. It's the same anytime you see in a movie when somebody like swings at someone's head and the person ducks or shoot like like there's so many if if you enjoy this kind of thing and you watch enough of it you start to see things that make no real world sense but the stuntmen love doing it like and, and this is cool. loves it too it, well, anybody, yeah, like it, it's 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 fun for the 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 crew and the stuntman and Sam Hargrave himself being a stuntman. Like I I think this whole shoot him in the foot, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the foot, shoot him in the face. <laughs> it's just part of this dance that they're doing because they're stuntmen yeah. and they love doing that kind of thing, and it makes no real world sense. Here's another example. So we know then Thor has been escorted out of the kidnapper, the brown kidnapper room, as I think Kelly Wan calls it, and <laughs> he uh, he throws off his guard with the help of his, his sniper buddy. Who I'm so I'm so glad to hear that that was Sam Hargrave. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back to the room, and it cuts to the guys in the room, and there's this. Yeah. Someone <laughs> knocked. What if you're gonna storm a room? Why do you want to alert everyone by knocking on the door? That's his calling card. That's his pre-shoot in the foot. Well, and, and he, the, no, no, he, shoots him, he knows that they're going to be puzzled. Yeah, but they're also going to raise their guns and they're going to be ready. They're they're now on their guard. The the advantage, and this is, I mean, this is just part of friends. This is stuntman choreography dumbness. The advantage is, okay, you can shoot one guy through the door. You know you're going to get that one guy. But the trade-off, you have now alerted everyone else in the room. If you just kick the door in. Yeah. And shoot the one guy when nobody else is paying attention, and it's the same too when uh, when uh, uh, the he so uh, Randy Buda goes into the boat and he disables the engine to set an alarm to call the two guys down. Why not just shoot the two guys when they're not on their guard? And it, it's it's simply it's cinema. It, it supposedly makes the scene more tense. It's not at all realistic. It's as dumb as Tony's shoot him in the foot, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the foot, shoot him in the face. It's just a dance of movie making is 
hey, let's create suspense. You know, what's he going to do? Now they're all on. Like, if you really wanted to storm this room, you just kick the door and you start shooting guys when they don't expect you. If you want to take out two guys on a boat, you don't make them go downstairs while they're suspicious to look an alarm. You just shoot them when they're on the boat and they don't expect you. Um, you know what's dumb is like there's the scene where Thor's facing the kidnappers and the guy does a fake shoot him in the head and Thor's like, oh, yeah, I saw you had a magazine. Like, he's basically... That's the movie going, see, this isn't some action movie bullshit. Thor's a really serious, yeah. he's like a genuine yeah. soldier who knows when there's no bullet in the gun. This exactly. is a this is a real military movie. And he didn't even call it a clip. He called it a magazine. magazine yeah. Well, okay, now, yeah, okay, now if we want to get picky, though, that doesn't mean there wasn't a round in the chamber. <laughs> That's true. It was just suicidal. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing, too, is I, I mean, I, that, I mean, I, I don't think this movie is very well written, but if we want to no. sell that he's suicidal, then he should be suicidal there. No. Like if there's this whole idea. It looks like he, shit, Tom. If, <laughs> if there's this whole idea that he doesn't care about life anymore because of his dead son. And oh, my God, that, that dead, dead son yeah. nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's original. Then, that, then that. he should really be suicidal in that scene and not just smart enough to know there's no bullet in the gun. Like, like Mel Gibson, lethal weapon suicidal. Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's that's the gold standard for character uh, for character motivation and development. Kelly Wand, absolutely. <laughs> I remember I remember seeing Mel Gibson on an Oprah Winfrey interview, and she was Oprah's just <laughs> she was just so just effusive about how good he was in the scene in Lethal Weapon before he was going to kill himself. And I remember watching that interview and then going back to watch Lethal Weapon. I'm thinking, no, he's not. This is completely over the top and dumb. Oprah Winfrey doesn't know good acting. <laughs> Join his books, Tom. Oh, thank um, God we have. Yeah. I, w- I want to mention the David Harbour stuff just a little bit because yes. um, I was I those scenes were uh, were pretty interesting, and I, their relationship was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, I also want to ask both of your opinions on uh, whether you think David Harbour. While he was absolutely motivated by selfishness and greed, and he was not wanting to kill the kid for altruistic or good reasons, he was just no. justifying it. Was he also? Did he happen to be right? Is that yeah, his well, life? Rude. So yeah, he was right, and he. I don't think he was altruistic. Yeah. Like I mean, he was protecting his wife. Like he was protecting his wife and his buddy. I think yeah. he was. I, so not. And I think it's an example. Yeah. I think it's an example, Tony, why this, this movie doesn't even – it's not only poorly written. It wouldn't know good writing if it accidentally stumbled across it because uh, here it did. Like he's correct and he's doing the right thing and he's doing it for the right reasons, I would say. Because in a brutal world and, – and again, this gets at this movie that I was hoping to watch where this white god strolls into this world where life is cheap and it's a whole – it's a third world place that grinds him down. David Harbour lives there. He knows this world. He's part of it. And he knows that life doesn't matter here and that in the overall moral calculus, the best thing to do is shoot the kid in the head. Yeah. Like I, that's a provocative I, – I, I, I want to believe, Tony, that yes, he was right and he was doing it for the right reasons. Like do you disagree? Was that – obviously he, that struck you. He brings yeah. up the money well, I don't know. Maybe I thought it was one of the few um, emotionally compelling moments in the film. I don't personally think that he actually was doing it for the right reasons. I think he was motivated by greed and he was justifying it to himself. Um, I mean, why? You They're know. supposed to be friends. <laughs> and he draws on his friend. 
Yeah, it's not even I, like a random guy. It's like they're bros that have saved each other's lives. But he's not—he's well. not trying to kill his friend. Eh. Isn't he? No, no, not at all. And that—that's why I think it, it, it. So, 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 Tony, you say he's trying to justify it, and you may be right. But in movie language, the movie brings up his wife. Uh, like the movie makes it clear that his—that he's protecting his wife. And I think that if the movie really How is did he protecting his wife, when does he say he's protecting? His oh, wife? he says they'll come after me. They'll kill me and my wife. For like helping. In, for for helping Chris Hemsworth. Well, for helping for helping him get the boy. So that's why he negotiates. Look, we'll kill the boy if you let my friend Chris Hemsworth go. Like that's that whole uh, plot point there. Is it he explains? Has a wife too, or is I that think who you he should If he was, the, if he really was putting Chris Hemsworth's interests. First, he should have looped Chris Hemsworth into that plot earlier, I think. like. Uh, well, right, but then the movie couldn't do that little – like Chris Hemsworth would have said no at that – I mean here's the I problem. That, you know where that scene was going? So – like it was so telegraphed to me, I thought. But go on. Wait, what part of it? Because, again, I didn't know if he was going to betray him or not. Uh, it was after the kid and he talk and he goes down like, all right, that was the slow scene. Now it's going it, to – Oh, I see. Right, right. Like I knew – there's no reason to cast – uh, David Harbour, unless he's going to turn on him, because I don't know. Well, no, that's that's, that's where I disagree ahead. because David Harbour, and I, I think this is a lot of this is from Stranger Things because he used to just play like thugs and heavies, but in Stranger Things, I think people now see him, and this includes casting directors, as a, a sympathetic character. Like I think you can early on when he arrives at David Harbour's house, you can think, oh yeah, this is going to be one of his buddies who ends up ha- helping save him. He cracks really fast. I don't know. I think there's a. I think he's a bad friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we can. I think we can. I was thought I'd drop that relationship. What? I would agree that he's a bad friend. Uh, well, I, I think what's going on here is we're giving the movie too much credit for actually considering oh. what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's uh, that's the thing. I'll take gimmicks if you if they have yeah. nothing else to do. You guys can watch news crawls. I'll enjoy this because the shot where Thor goes over the roof, I thought was kind of good in a way because it kept going after that, and I was like, oh yeah, wait, what? So they <laughs> like I at least made me think about it for a minute. While as later, I was just like, Ugh. how obvious was it uh, when the kid who said who who cut off his fingers or who was agreeing to cut off his fingers for the crime boss and then eventually did cut off his fingers. How obvious to you guys was it that that kid was eventually going to be Chris Hemsworth's undoing? I'm I'm a little embarrassed to say it wasn't obvious until it happened, and then I felt really stupid for not knowing <laughs> it was going to happen. I was like, oh, yeah, duh, of course. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm dumb like Tom, but I thought that his arc was going to be he switches sides or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the thing. It's only going to be one or the other, like Tom was saying before. It's going to be a betrayal or a sacrifice. Yeah, and yeah. that kid, kind of like David Harbour, too. Like, the actor playing that kid with the scar on his face, like, he he looked – like, that, that was yeah. a good bit of casting. I really like that yeah. guy, that, that the kid. Like, the, the main guys, I like the, the main villain and his sort of swarthy, meatloaf-looking sidekick guy, like, that was just straight out of, like, central casting. Those guys, yeah. I could take them or leave yeah. them. The, I know. That's the thing. That yeah. – this movie's very inconsistent. Some oh, of, and even of, yeah, uh, even like the his general sidekick, like just really weak stuff. Um, yeah. But then occasionally there's like there's like the kid who offers to cut off his fingers. Uh, you know, Randu Puda is he's great. Um, so yeah, it got. You know, here's the thing though. You guys like action movies can be so much worse. There's a there's a movie called Extraction, starring <laughs> Kellen Lutz and Gina Carano. 
and I'm not lying because I looked up and I meant to look. I meant to mention this before. It's, it's also called extraction. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so on Metacritic, this extraction is at 56, and on Rotten Tomatoes, 67 percent uh, positive <laughs> reviews. The other extraction, which is probably about 10 years old. Uh, 25 on Metacritic, 6% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. It well, is that's mostly Lutz. Oh, it is so – but Kelly Wand, you would love the original extraction because it's Kellen Lutz and Gina Carano just trying so desperately to have chemistry, and they're both so awful oh, cool. at it. It is just the movies called Extraction. There's a 2015 Extraction. There's a 2013 Extraction. Well, there's also the movie Extract, which I confused with being Extraction with uh, with Jason Bateman, which we talked about a a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, But the Kellen Lutz Gina Carano one, like you watch that, and it will make you appreciate this one all the more. I mean, this one is at least as good as a movie should be when it has celebrity and money thrown at it. Um, you know, any movie that has someone famous in a budget like this that can't achieve this level of mediocrity, there's no excuse for that. Like this right here. Bad in this movie. We didn't talk about his acting, but I thought he's fine for this. Well, but Ooh, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's fine. But uh, you they guys, didn't give, they, they gave him almost nothing to do in, right. in terms of character work. Um, he was defined solely by things in his past that had happened to him. Right. Um, yes. He he was not really defined by his choices. The one significant choice he made in this film was the choice not to abandon a child to death. Which, <laughs> honestly, that if that's your big moral uh, stand, um, right. good for you, I guess. But uh, I right. think most people would take that position. Um, yeah. Here, especially, you know, if Thor had done, had done that, like if he played the David Harbour role, it might have been interesting. <laughs> Just well, right, saying. but here's the thing, though, is I don't, I don't think he's. I, I think once you get to the scenes where Chris Hemsworth is supposed to display this emotional trauma, he can't do it. He doesn't do it. I just don't think Chris Hemsworth has has enough weight as an actor. The guy's gorgeous and he's great, like talking into a mic, saying "I'm 100 meters out." Like all that stuff is hot <laughs> and sexy and cool. How's his body. He's in great shape, those biceps. But seriously, (laughs) once he's supposed to be the grieving father, like there's no – no. So, yeah, he's fine as an action hero. He's fine as an action hero, but he's not fine as as a movie where where we're supposed to really be concerned about – you know, the whole – here's the whole thing. The moral of this movie is you don't drown by jumping in a river. You drown by staying submerged in it. So this is a movie about a guy who's jumped into a river and who decides to unsubmerge himself and swim to the surface. He needed a kid to tell him that, okay? And that kid had read it he, in a school book. <laughs> right. He needed a kid, and he needed two heavy-handed sequences where someone sits underwater. And he mm-hmm. needed someone saying the line to explain it. Right, exactly. Um, and in a way, uh, emerging from that water could be considered a form of extraction. Oh, very nice. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Is the end is the ending ambiguous? Uh, yes. How so? Disagree. If it wasn't meant to be ambiguous, why was he blurry? Like, if they wanted to show you that. Go on, sorry. Okay, go on, sorry. Well, if uh, if they wanted to show you, hey, Chris Hemsworth is alive. And uh, he's now back in this kid's life. Just show us Chris Hemsworth. Kelly Wand, rebuttal. If you're dead, you're out of focus. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, good sir. Wait a minute. So then I'm going to be – so because I think he's, it's not ambiguous. He's dead. 
Because I think it's not in. I think it's not ambiguous for the opposite of Kelly Wan's reason. I think clearly he's alive and he's back. Kelly Wan thinks he's dead. Te- Tony, you think it's ambiguous. Uh, yeah, I think the movie is trying to tease us and tantalize us. And I saw that and I thought, wait a minute, who, who was that? I rewound the movie and watched that shot again because right. I thought, wait, is that somebody who's been sent to kill the kid? Because I know the kid's life will now forever be in jeopardy. <laughs> oh, I wish that Chris was the Because I, your... I was sure if that was Chris. First of all, it's so stupid if that was Chris Hemsworth. And I he looks scared. The kid does look scared when he looks over. You're right. That's yeah. And uh, but I reading about the comic book, um, I think we are meant to believe that it's Chris Hemsworth because I oh, I think the I think the comic continues on and he he's still alive and stuff. Um, but when asked, the Russos said, "Well, it's ambiguous. If you liked him to be alive, either. right?" But they totally yeah. pumped it and asked directly yeah. instead of saying it's up to you. Yeah, because it's right. so. Here's the thing: it's not ambiguous because. It, it's clearly a callback to Chris Hemsworth seeing his son out of focus, like this whole idea that okay. – and, and, and also you wouldn't show that if it's just a fake out, if it's just some random person over there. Like it's – there are two options. Either that is Chris Hemsworth or it's not. If it's not no, it's Chris – so, so Kelly Wan, you're introducing metaphysics into a movie where, where there are no metaphysics so far. You're you're adding eleventh hour metaphysics, and I won't well, allow you're that. You're saying the movie Extraction is not <laughs> dumb enough to include what I'm saying is dumb. <laughs> there, it's like American Werewolves in London. There are no ghosts in this movie. Uh, uh, it's spirit, it's spirit looking over the kid. No, that's that's not part of this movie world. There's no wait, wait, also, Chris Hemsworth imagining his his dead son being blurry. Right. Uh, that son, by the way, that was blurry is dead and no longer exists. So re- so I could say that the parallel being drawn is Chris Hemsworth is blurry because he's dead and no longer exists. And oh my god! No, that's you guys I, are turning this into a ghost he, story. This is not I a ghost movie. I just turned Tony to my idea. So you're now in the minority. Oh my you're god! You, oh, you've added the supernatural to a movie where there isn't any. Unfair. <laughs> That's cheating. Well, not necessarily the supernatural. It could just be the kid seeing another person and thinking, you know, and, and not being sure who it is. The kid, there's water in the kid's eyes, and we're kind of, you know, the kid, his his eyes are adjusting to the brightness, and he's imagining Chris Hemsworth. Not necessarily supernatural. But Chris uh, Hemsworth is it's he's alive in the boy's heart. It could be, yeah, exactly. Which is, <laughs> well, wait, here's another. Here's the crux of my argument. Tom, okay. Yes. That in the last fading flashback of the kid he's out of focus and then as thor dies the kid is in focus because now once you're dead you can see the dead in right focus. right right okay well let me close this argument and uh, just put everything to rest right now this is clearly <laughs> it's from a comic book comic books are episodic if this movie does well enough they clearly want to do another sequel to it oh for sure uh, so for for just movie language and comic book language, he's alive. You can bet there will be other episodes and other sequels. And by the way, this movie has done great for Netflix. They tweeted out right. today uh, in the first week, 90 million households, which I didn't know if that was good. Um, but that's apparently very good. Uh, and by comparison, The Irishman, the 12-hour Martin Scorsese movie, yeah. 26 million households. Wow. So, so this movie is three times as good as The Irishman. Maybe not all those finished but it. The Irishman is three times as long. So. Well, okay, actually, that's a very good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. In order for Netflix to count as a as a household, you have to have watched 70% of the movie. Oh, interesting. So that's a fair amount of watching Irishman before <laughs> giving so up. Interesting. I mean, that's their metric. That's, you know, that, 
they don't have they don't have box office or uh, Nielsen. So imagine imagine watching seventy percent of right. the Irishman more than <laughs> two Dublin <laughs> movies and then stopping watching the Irishman before <laughs> finishing it. Say CC's stopping sixty nine. <laughs> well, I'd stop there anyway. Nice. My dumb reasons. But wait, I was gonna ask Tony some question. Oh, hey Tony, what do you think of the movie Dread? Are you referring pretty... to a, a Judge Dread movie? Yeah, Carl Urban. I would have never seen that movie. That's what he thinks of it, Kelly Wan. <laughs> Is it, should I see that movie? Should I watch that? Based on what you know about me, would I like that movie, Kelly Wan? No, no. Uh, I think so. No. You seem pretty Come smart. On. Tom doesn't. <laughs> um, so you'd be smart and therefore like it. I think. We, we have a longstanding disagreement that Kelly Wan is complete. He doesn't have a leg to stand on about the ending of Dread. Uh, Maybe I'll watch Dread. Is it on? Let me see here. What is it on? Is it on Netflix? I mean, that's can, why you don't like it too, huh? Tony, well, you could. You, no, I do like Dread. I think Dread is really good. Tony, you could do far worse than Dread. Uh, okay. Like, I, if you yeah. just want to watch action movies. Uh, and actually, what Kelly, wants, who directed that? I feel like I should know that. Oh, Pete Travis. Who? Pete, Pete Travis. Travis. He's a member of the Who. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Adam. <laughs> uh, so okay so tony you watch dread kelly wand you check out rhythm section even though that you think blake lively is too pointy uh, uh and and now i need you guys to give me a recommendation what should i watch oh Ooh, i didn't know i was going to be asked to give you a recommendation oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. shit uh, uh kelly you go first movie can't be what we do in the shadows that's television that's for yeah yeah and plus i've already seen it you think i'm not watching what we do in the shadows what's the matter with you be recommendation. Uh, up in Smoke. Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. It's good. I've been watching that. Actually, you know what? Uh, I want. I want to change my answer. Uh, Tony, there's a there's a, a post-apocalypse movie that Casey Affleck directed. That you know, you, you talk about the violence in John Wick and the the violence in this. Um, a completely opposite approach that I think is fascinating to action scenes and violence is the way that Casey Affleck does this movie called Light of My Life, which is a terrible title, by the way. Um, okay. But it's, it's a really, I think, compelling post-apocalypse pandemic movie. So super timely, but its approach to violence, I would love to get your take on it, especially after talking uh, John Wick and Extraction. Okay. So forget Dread. So. Tom, and I got a movie for you. Okay, yes. It's a Grasshoff pick. Uh, it's called Atlantics. It's on Netflix. Atlantics, plural, like a bunch of oceans? Atlantics? Mm -hmm. Yep. Man, all right. Just based on how you could name a movie that way, I'm curious. I, know. I was like, what the fuck's that about? Kelly yeah, Wan, don't go in new to that one. Like, no. I have no. a movie for you then, Kelly Wan. Ready for this? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll kind of call you. Blood Quantum. <laughs> Damn it, where do you... See you Actually, you know what? Title. You know what? Okay, so here's here. Okay, so we'll close out. Any last words about extraction? Before... Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, Thor. No, no, because I, I want to use this to, to close out. I want to talk about. Well, wait, I, I do want. have a recommendation for you guys. It's totally unrelated to extraction, but you may have already seen it. Okay. Have you seen Uncut Gems? Yeah. Oh my God, have we seen Uncut Gems? All right, I don't know. It's my favorite movie last year. Yeah, Uncut Gems is really sad. You've seen Tom Good Time, is, right? Uh, yes, yeah, I saw Good Time. Good time. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah, the, the Safety brothers, those guys are just, I can't wait for them to make more movies. Yeah. I mean, what, what, just put them to work, stat. Yeah. Tom's favorite movie last year was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> That's not true. And it's, the you. second favorite movie was Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
Okay, so here's the deal. So, Tony, thank you so yeah. much. We want you to come back. We want to make you watch more crappy movies. Hopefully, we'll get you to watch. I kind of was almost trolling you, making you watch this movie and join us. I, I don't know if you know that. How? <laughs> well, because it's a crappy action movie. I kind of expected it was going to be that. Um, okay. And, and I just yeah. – I, I like listening to Tony talk about movies that are not for him. Yeah, that's true. That's the theme. I see. Yeah. Uh-huh. So – in I had that, a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And great. we will definitely have you back. Thank you for being here. And in that same vein, I really like making Bruce Garrick watch movies that aren't for him. So next time we're back here, we're going to make Bruce Garrick and Kelly Wand watch a movie called Blood Quantum. <laughs> and yeah. the less you, the less you know about it, the better. Um, suffice to say, it's... I don't like the Pierce Brosnan bonds all the time. <laughs> Right? Exactly. How many movies have the audacity to have the word quantum in the title? Nobody even knows what that means, right? So uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We will be back to have Bruce Garrick talk about Blood Quantum with us. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Tony Carnavale and Kelly Wand. Wait, what are we watching? Girl, you're so young and pretty And one thing I know is true, yeah You'll be dead before your time is due Hey, Tom, on Mork and Mindy, was Shawspot like the N-word on a fork? Did you see what God just did to us, man? God didn't do that. You did it. You're a fucking narcotics agent. I knew it.